Welcome to Next Steps, a podcast from Black Hawk Church in Madison, Wisconsin, where together we'll take next steps to grow in our relationship with Christ, to be formed into the kind of people He's created us to be, and to better love and serve those around us. Let's jump in. All right. Well, welcome back for another episode of the Next Steps podcast. Hope everyone's having a good week so far. Uh, with me today are pastors Tiffany Malloy and Adam Penning. How are you guys doing? Good. Glad to be here. Yeah, this is fun. Here, Adam, I'm glad you're here today. This is fun. Yeah, mm-hmm. fun to be back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Adam uh, is our downtown pastor. So shout out to everyone in our downtown congregation. You mm-hmm. guys, you guys know that, you know, Adam mm-hmm. and uh, obviously, Tiffany and I are on the p- podcast all the time, so we, we won't talk about it. But it's good to have you back, too. It's been, <laughs> yeah, a, few, it's been a few weeks few since I've been on, so, so it feels good to be back in the in front of this microphone. Yeah, so. awesome. Um, well, hey, for the sake of time, we're just going to dig right in. We've got some big questions to kind of talk through. Um, coming out of, a little bit coming out of the message on Sunday about exile and God's judgment and that kind of thing. So we'll talk a little bit about some things that correlate with the message, but then also turn the corner a little bit and talk about just what exile um, might mean for us today. There's maybe some similarities, obviously some differences too, but some similarities in what it looks like for us to live as Christ followers today. So, uh, but first question, you guys. Um, so on Sunday, we dug in a bit to whether God is like, is he constantly angry all the time? <laughs> or maybe there are healthier ways to view who God is. Um, I always think of, it's been a while since I've read this, but I always think of there's this famous um, sermon called Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God by Jonathan Edwards. That um, really, he's like, probably one of the most prominent uh, American theologians in our history. And so that sermon in particular has had a huge impact, I think, on, a, on Americans and our view of God. Um, if anyone follows Beth Moore on Twitter, she just had like a series of tweets maybe a few weeks ago about, about some of that sermon and that kind of thing. Um, so it's had a huge impact. Um, but to, to get a little more personal, um, I wanted to yeah ask you guys, what does it look like for you in your own lives to sort through your mm-hmm. own view of God? Is he or has he been at times in your life this uh, sinners in the hands of an angry God type of God who's vindictive and ready to snap at any moment? Or maybe he's all his grace. Everything is fine. Don't worry about any of that stuff or something in between. What does that journey look like for you guys of kind of sorting through how you view um, kind of this this character, this attribute of who God is? Well, I think for me... Uh, if I just jump right in. Um, so I came to know Jesus in sixth grade. Uh, it was a great church, like really good, healthy church. Uh, also, I think it was just the cultural moment where uh, evangelical churches, some some evangelical churches talked a lot about, it was like the days of judgment houses and left behind <laughs> and revivals of like bringing in preachers to scare you. So I, that was very effective in my life. And so I came to know the Lord in a revival, um, just being real, like, right. Cause this, this image of like hell and God's anger against, you know, that was, it was scary to me and I wanted to be good. Like I was a freakishly good kid. Like I, <laughs> I realized, Oh, no matter how freakishly good I am, I'm still not good enough I'm to, to please God. Um, mm. And so that was, what God used. And that's great. Um, so I think it's been like a journey for me to, to figure out, ah, okay. So that's how I first came to know God and, and believe mm-hmm. that that was maybe something that was, um, the biggest part of his character. Mm-hmm. And so I think over the years, God's just used different kind of situations and different things to help me see different facets and to, 
you know, I think in, in different seasons, I feel like you see God a little bit differently and that's yeah. good. Like he responds to what you need in those seasons. And so I think for me in this, in this season, past five, 10 years, it's been like, Hey, he's a God that's like with me. And, and, and he's, of course he doesn't like love sin and blah, 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 but it's, but it's, he's a God that's with me and present and, and that's, and he loves me and he's gentle and kind. And I think for me, that's what I've needed yeah. in this season. Um, and, yeah. and so I think it's just been a journey, I guess, is what yeah, I would, how yeah. I'd summarize that. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Adam, what about you? Yeah. My, um, probably the, the context, uh, I grew up in was a little different than that. So I grew up in a, um, in a much more kind of, uh, traditional context for church. We did, um, church stuff every Sunday. Um, uh, but the, the view, my view of God was, um, not legalistic in the sense of like the fire and brimstone mm-hmm. kind of God, but more in the sense of like, oh, there are a lot of rules and expectations for how you live. And, um, and my view of God was, uh, very much like, well, I know he loves me, but I don't know if he likes me. Mm. <laughs> That's right. Totally. <laughs> you know? That's right. Yeah. And, uh, uh, you know, our, our view, our parents, our experience of our, sometimes our earthly father's effects are, um, you know, our view of our mm-hmm. Heavenly Father. And mm-hmm. so growing up, my dad's actually uh, an incredible guy. Um, and he came to know the Lord, I don't know, 15 years ago or something like that. But um, growing up, you know, I he was a hardworking kind of blue-collar guy when come home, and I was a messy kid. And so my shoes and backpack were always at the front door. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I just was a good kid, but kind of struggled in some ways that I know were frustrating for my parents. And so I think I always view God like that, mm-hmm. like... I know they're supposed to, he's supposed to love me. I don't know if he always likes me. God is probably always just frustrated with mm. me. Yeah. Mm. Um, and so mm. I think, and it was just insecure in general. And um, so I, m- my view of God was one that caused me, I think, to just to feel insecure with him. Mm. Like I just didn't know where I really stood. Not so much yeah. like, am, is, am I going to sort of fire and brimstone on mm-hmm. the other side of things? But is there real warmth and affection and intimacy, mm. you know, available to me now? Mm-hmm. So... Yeah. Um, that's really changed as I've, as I've gotten older, but, mm-hmm. um, that was sort of a, a seed. There was a seed, definitely a season in my life where that was real. And then when I realized, oh my gosh, he is more committed to me mm. than I could ever be to him. Mm. Like he, yes, he does call me to things. He does have desires for my life, but like, um, but when we're in Jesus, Jesus is in it with us, you know, and yeah. God won't ever back out on us. And so. Um, sometimes there's, uh, discipline, right? You know, like as a dad myself now, it's like, oh yeah, sometimes God wants to kind of correct me and straighten me out. Mm -hmm. But I think for me to know, even that happens like with this deep sense of love and commitment and connection and intimacy and affection for me Mm -hmm. has been like, uh, hard Mm -hmm. to internalize, but also like revolutionary for me. A mentor once told me, if you hear a voice, Tiffany, (laughs) um, that's harsh and demanding and full of shame, I would check yourself. Like, I don't know if that's from God. Like, mm. like God's voice might be very pointed and convicting and right. Like that's, it's, but it's, but it's kind and, and gentle. It'll get louder, but it still has this feeling of, of gentleness and kindness that, that leads to repentance. And so I think that's even like, that's reminding me of what you're talking about, of being able to discern that voice that we assign to God. Mm. Um, oh, yeah. yeah, that's good. Yeah. I think, 
what is it? Satan's called the accuser of the saints, right? You know, the Holy Spirit convicts us. But feeling convicted, like, oh, yeah, is different than feeling accused. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think Romans 8 also talks about there's no condemnation for those who yeah. are in Christ Jesus. And so even when God might convict, there's a different, like, there's still no condemnation. And I just think that's a, yeah, that voice in your head, you know, yeah. discerning where that's coming from is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know if Jonathan Edwards maybe could have gotten that advice from his spiritual <laughs> mentor. Maybe he would have right. given us a little different sermon for it. Yeah, come on, Jonathan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just kidding. Yeah. yeah, that's yeah. Thanks for sharing all that, you guys. That's really helpful. I think. Um, yeah, <laughs> Tiffany, I relate to your story. Thinking back to the like the felt boards with the Bible characters, and maybe there was fire involved with <laughs> totally. or that sort of thing. But I'm also like, yeah. sadly. I mean, in my experience, that wasn't something just of 30 years ago, mm-hmm. um, but I've even experienced uh, as recently as our time in Denver. Um, I told mm-hmm. the teaching team this story as we were kind of chatting through what this message could look like, where when we first moved out there for seminary, we were in a very popular kind of hip church, and the pastor was talking about how God is like a sniper, just waiting for you to slip up, and then he was going to take you out. And the whole teaching team was like, kind of giving me the look that you guys are right now. Like, what? <laughs> well, you did not hear that. Um, but but again, like, that's still what some, some of you listening are hearing, that kind of thing. And it's hard to sort through that. I think for me and my own journey, I didn't talk a lot about my own um, personal journey through this, but that's why I kind of did this tangent in the message of going at this view of who God is, because I think so many of us, uh, myself included, are still sorting that out and and working through that. Um, For me, that really came to a head probably six years ago when I started preaching regularly. And all of a sudden, like all these things that I thought were like good theology and, you know, it wasn't like blatantly wrong, but it was all of a sudden like I'm preaching the gospel and using certain language. And it's all of a sudden like, I carry a certain amount of authority and people are listening to me. Is this really like what I believe about who God is and how I want to communicate things. And so I felt like I kind of went back to the drawing board in some ways of like trying to more, yeah, more faithfully kind of communicate some of that stuff, reevaluate who God really is. And it kind of led me down this path and on, on this journey. So if that's you, um, yeah, continue to, to press in. There's a lot of great books and things like that out there, just kind of working through some of this kind of stuff, but hopefully you hear that God is for you and and loves you. So. All right, you guys, switching gears a little bit. We're going to turn a corner here. Um, On Sunday, we also talked about how the Israelites, they were exiled in 722 BC by the Assyrians, and then again in 586 BC by the Babylonians. Um, But in a different kind of way, I know there's, again, similarities and differences here, but there's a reality in which even we today are living as exiles in a land that's not our own. The Bible even uses that kind of language. So what do you guys, what does that mean for us? Are there things that we can learn from how the Israelites approached their own exile that can help us faithfully follow God today? Uh, or just kind of, what does it look like for us to live as exiles in a foreign land? Adam, you want to jump in on that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were, we just, before the podcast started going, we started chatting about this and it was really good. And we were like, we got to stop talking because it's good. <laughs> we want to make sure we record it. Um, I do think it's important to kind of remember, like we, we do, we do have sort of a different relationship with God, both like in history and our place, like 
<laughs> the blessings and curses promised in like Deuteronomy 28, like they don't belong to America necessarily. You know, there, there really is, God has a unique relationship with Israel, like in real kind of historical time, redemptive history. And, and I just think, oh, sometimes we can like read in a little too much, like, oh, we're in exile. And I was like, no, I, we're not in exile like that. But, but the scripture definitely does say we are like, we are still aliens and strangers, right? Like this, the earth is not our home. Does Paul say like, oh, like we're not to, in Romans, like not to conform to the patterns of the world. Like, so we do often feel really displaced, right? We do feel like we don't fit in. And it's hard to, I think, live in a place with that kind of like, I don't know, I, I guess it is sort of like a feeling of insecurity. Like, where do I fit in? Do do I fit in here? Should I try to fit in here? All those things. That's hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The word posture uh, came to mind even as yeah, as you were talking or a little bit before that of, so um, what, are, how did they approach their time in, in exile? Like, is there a certain posture that we can learn from them um, of just how, like, so they're at rock bottom, they're in the land of their oppressors and yet not perfectly, but in different places in the story, we see them digging in and, and trying to turn back to God and, and living in a faithful way. So, yeah, I don't know. Do anything come to mind of the way that they approached their exile, the posture with which they approached it that maybe we can apply today too? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think one really interesting thing about like some of the exile passages, one fundamental thing is like, what is Jeremiah? He's like on the banks of the river Babylon and he has this crazy vision and it's like God is on like a mobile throne, not a mobile home, but a mobile (laughs) throne. And even just a reminder, I think that's actually pretty powerful to remember like, oh, even when life was rough, where they have no power, where they have no cultural place, um, that God is like, would very clearly say, no, I'm still here. Mm. I'm still with you. I'm still in it with you. And I think that sort of reframes a whole posture. Like when you feel displaced that you're like, okay, I still... I'm still not alone. God's still in it with me. So mm. I think that's one thing. And then what's the Jeremiah 29 passage? Yeah. You know, it's like, behold, I have plans for you, good plans for you mm-hmm. still. Like, build homes, marry off your kids, like, plant things. Plant contri- gardens, eat the pr- produce, yeah. right, totally. Yeah, seek pray the, for the city. the peace mm-hmm. or the shalom of the place, mm-hmm. yeah, which I've placed you, which is really interesting. Like, mm-hmm. they're in the land of their, their enemies, right, that have, like, probably murdered a lot of their their people, their family, taking them away. And yet God is like, no, I want you to bless them. Mm-hmm. Like I can only imagine what that would have sounded like. But even in their exile, God is using them to bless the nations and mm-hmm. like the way that he originally intended them to. So mm-hmm. that's interesting. I think of um, the book of Daniel as well, um, where, yeah, like you were saying, like, I'm still here. I still want you to follow me. And so we see this posture of Daniel and his friends of uh, still being obedient to Yahweh above and beyond other other kings and, and, and that kind of thing. So, yeah, there's all these little things that we see as we continue to read um, those other prophets and, and things like that that's, uh, that's really interesting. Yeah, there's a, um, there's a rabbi, like the sort of uh, the United Hebrew congregations, like of the Commonwealth of England, there's this professor, philosopher, um, Jonathan Sachs. Uh, and he talks about from, not just from 
Jeremiah 29, but when he thinks about the story of the people of Israel from way back through the scripture, especially in exile, he's like, they have, he's like, we've always chosen to be people who were like a creative minority. Like we're, we've never had the majority position. We've mm. never had necessarily a, like all the authority and the power, but to choose in whatever situation we're in to believe that not creative, like we're artists or anything like that, but like, oh, God has good things for us to create and be generate and add to mm. society and culture, even in a minority position. And that doesn't mean we compromise necessarily on our beliefs about who God is and who's he called us to be in the world. Like we're in, we don't want to assimilate to the majority, but we're going to choose this hard road. He's like, it's actually a really difficult road, but to be a creative minority in whatever culture or whatever situation God has us in. So, yeah. Yeah, we were even we were just talking a little bit earlier again before before we pressed record. Shoot, we should have just pressed record. <laughs> of um of how yeah, there's differences. We're not the people of Israel. We don't carry the same promises. And yet, for many of us, um I don't know whether you say something shifted in the last 10 years, the last 20 years. Some of us grew up in a society where just being being a Christian, going to church carried a lot of like uh, social power or status or that kind of thing. Being a pastor 50 years ago was a lot different than now. Now I'm like, my neighbor asked me and I'm like, I work for a nonprofit. That's what I, <laughs> that's what I say at first until, until I get to know them. Cause I just don't know what they're gonna, gonna think. And, and you know, that's maybe an overstatement. Maybe mm -hmm. I'll, I'll, I'll tell them and I want to be open about that too. At the same time. Um, yeah, there's no getting around the fact that like people just view Christianity different. Now we, we probably feel more like exiles in America mm -hmm. than, than ever before. So, um, what do you guys think? Like, how does that change just the ways that we engage with the world, even how we approach discipleship. I think about the fact that like, I think for many years we came to church again, assuming people would like just come along with us that, um, that everyone was going to church, that kind of thing. Um, but now things are different and we need to engage in the world in a different way. We have school systems that don't hold all the same beliefs that we do. We have schools and when we go off to higher education, college, grad school, that kind of thing that don't hold all the same beliefs that we do. So, um, so how do we, how do we deal with that when it comes to discipleship and continuing to be formed into Christ's image? Um, how do we do that as exiles instead of, you know, kind of a, a place of privilege in society? Yeah, man. I think a couple of things you said that are good to highlight. I'm like, oh, it's just our own expectations. You know, like if I expect to be weird, <laughs> then it's just <laughs> easier to be weird. I do think sometimes like, oh, the Christian, like our relationship with money and power and politics in our sex ethic. There's so many things that culturally are just weird. And there is something that's like, oh, we, like when we feel insecure about being weird, it, you know, it's, there's so much more tension. I do think there's just something powerful about just owning that, that, oh yeah, we're, we're going to be different. Mm -hmm. um, you know, but when it comes to our, like, our formation and our, the response of our heart, um, I think it's, it's easy to be, yeah, I think it's easy to, like, there's postures that sometimes come out of us that are very natural, right? Like fight, flight, and freeze are natural responses, right? So Christians, can we sometimes, when we f feel out of place, we can, like, power up and want to power over and fight or 
or we want to run away and hide and find form all of our own little Christian subcultures. You know what I mean? Like uh, where it feels safe and secure or we freeze where we try to like blend in or try to assimilate too much yeah. to the culture around us. I think all those are really natural. And yeah, I mean, when I think about our formation and who God calls us to be, I think there's like a supernatural response, which is to be like, okay, how do I be faithful within this place? with all the tensions to be who God's called me to be and to try not to like respond in these like ways that I think, honestly, I think are mostly driven by fear and that we, we just watched tangled, not tangled, uh, frozen Two like a couple <laughs> weeks ago. And Elsa or sings a song like people, or, you know, I don't know who sings it, but it's like people make bad decisions when they're like, scared, angry, or hungry, hungry, (laughs) sad. And I just think, oh, culturally, so many of us feel so afraid. And sometimes the response that comes out of us is more natural than supernatural. Mm -hmm. And so I think trying to like live into that and figure that out, that's hard. Mm -hmm. Um, But Tiffany is our our pastor's spiritual <laughs> yeah. So I'm sure she has the answer, more, so, no, more direct good. and clear answers yeah. than I do. No, it's so good. And I'm, well, Adam, I was thinking about a book that um, was really actually super formative. Maybe my favorite book uh, in my seminary experience, Ooh. tiny little book called, I think I've maybe even talked about it here, Models of the Kingdom by Howard Snyder. So it's mm. unimpressive in the way that it's like, not pretty. It's pretty, but what it did is it went through kind of eight, I think it's eight models of the kingdom of, of Mm. how do we as the church relate to culture and relate to the kingdom. And so I, as, as you were even describing some of, of those reactions, like that is actually some, some ways that people even view scripture. I mean, because he's pulling out like, Hey, here's for these people. Here's, here's why they, they believe that this is how the church should relate to culture. So it was so, I mean, it was so fascinating because I think it opened up my eyes to like, Oh, we're all wearing different lenses mm-hmm. and even thinking about our community, right? Like most people who are listening to this are Blackhawkers, right? So like how, what is, what is the lens that we've decided to kind of how we view you, our culture, right? Like we want to love Madison. Like that's a posture yeah. that we want to do because we, we look to Jeremiah 29 to say, no, 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 we want the flourishing of our city um, mm-hmm. for the sake of the kingdom. And so I think that's just real. I mean, I, I think what you, what you said is really important because even as we talk to different, maybe neighbors that are Christian to go to different churches and they have different views of how they see like our, their relationship with culture, Wow, like that's different, and sometimes that can be really confusing and cause cause a lot of conflict. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I don't know. So, if anybody's interested in this conversation, I'd really recommend. I think it's a fascinating, a fascinating, fascinating read. Um, but, but I think exactly what you're saying, right? Like, who, how are we being formed? Are we being being formed primarily by the school system, you know, by culture, our friends, TV, music, all, I mean, all these things. And or are we being intentional about yeah. being in the word and, and being, spending time with God, which is so, right. It's like the easiest answer. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> oh, but like how many of us, right. That's, that's hard to do. And, and even the power of community. Like, I mean, I even thinking about your family, Adam, even like anecdotally, right. So one of the things I think you talk about is like, we're weird. That's fun. So the Malloy family also has, we have a song. It's fun being weird. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm not going to sing it. <laughs> it's actually, I'm like, I don't like this song, you guys. But this is, wait, it's an identity of like, if you feel like you're not going to fit in because of some of these things, then there's actually, you build community around it. And then when we heard like, oh my gosh, the Pennings also identify as weird. Like there's this like 
community. There's this yeah. like, well, we can be weird with this other family. <laughs> like that makes it easier to be weird, which is weird as kind of a, you know, whatever weird word, word, weird word. But the, the idea of like cultural, counterculture, right. Go. If we can be that together. And if you have people in your lives who are like, yeah, the way we're, the way we're choosing to spend our money or the way we're choosing to buy a house or not buy a house or car, like if it can, if I can do it with other people who get the why, it just makes it a little easier. Yeah, right. Man, if you're alone doing that, it's impossible. It's impossible. And so I think that's the beauty of the body, yeah. right, of Christ, to be able to be that together. That's so good. I um, There's something about the w- weird. I once heard someone say Christians historically have been most comfortable when they have all the power mm. or none of the power. Oh, and yeah. it's sort of like when we have no power, we just sort of realize, oh, we're weird. And, <laughs> totally, yeah. you know, like to be just a creative minority mm-hmm. to sort of just say, this is who we are and we're going to continue to live in a powerful, like redemptive way, even though everybody thinks we're weird. Like there is some freedom there. But mm-hmm. when we live in that insecure middle ground, mm-hmm. it's like, that's yeah. where so many things come mm-hmm. up. You, you know, the school system has come up a few times and I'm like, not just, I'm like, oh, there is, boy, if you're a parent. With school age kids in Madison, this is also a hot topic. And I do think, oh, everybody, you know, like everybody's family, your kids, your parenting, your circumstance, I do think everybody tries to do the best they can mm-hmm. and to make decisions that they feel like is wise for their circumstance. And mm-hmm. so, like, I, I got no judgment for anybody on any of those sorts of things. The Pennings, for various reasons, probably because we used to live in New York where private school was like, more than college, <laughs> we started sending our kids to public school. And we just chose that we knew we were going to be there and sort of have continued to cho- chosen to be there because we're like, oh, yeah, it's not always easy. Um, but we we also have kind of chosen to be the parents who are going to be really involved, like to try to really know the teachers, to like volunteer as best we can, to drop things when we can, to show up, to help, um, to appreciate, like, educators in those situations. And um, and I would say sometimes it's been really hard and we have felt really out of place there. And yet at the same time, we thought, gosh, if we leave, you know, like, I don't know who's here, you know? And so sometimes for us, we've kind of chosen, we've thought, and again, this isn't like everybody has to do this, but even when that decision to be in the public school system has been hard, we've thought, you know what? Jesus didn't give up and back out on us when it got hard. You know, like he stayed incarnate and went all the way to the cross. And we've thought, okay, we think this is where he's calling us. And so we want to be here and be present in relationships and trust that God wants to use Mm -hmm. us here. And boy, it's been sometimes so exciting and cool to see like the kind of conversations we have and things that happen, but also times it's Mm -hmm. really hard too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. One of the things that Charles always talks about, um, him and Serena, when they are raising their girls, like one of the things in kindergarten they started you know saying hey like you're gonna learn things in school that we don't agree with or the bible kind of disagrees with and like that's okay like let's just talk about it and so we talked about just constantly saying hey there's gonna be things like you don't have to be angry about it you don't have to speak out like just just know what their things and be like be aware of the messages you're receiving and then let's talk about it at home and I, but then I was talking to a friend who, whose kids go to a Christian school and she said, yeah, we have to do that too. So it's, it's not like, <laughs> right? it's it's, everywhere. I think it's, and I think that's actually we as adults too, like, oh, yeah. how great, like that would be a great thing for us. Like, Hey, as we go about your day, like there's going to be things and messages that you receive values and you know, that you actually 
we don't agree with. And so let's talk about them mm-hmm. at home with your community groups yeah. and, you know, in, in, in the relationships yeah. that you have. Well, man, I actually think some of the things that are most blatant that feel like there's the most tension we have are not the most dangerous to us as Christians. So... Sociologists talk about how culture, most of the time when we talk about culture, it, they are like invisible, really powerful sort of forces, ideas, ways that we relate to each other that we have, we're totally blind to. And so like, and those are the ones that are actually affect us the most. And so it's good to have conversations about the things we see, but to be like, try to be discerning, mm-hmm. you know, um, even, oh man, there's this, uh, <laughs> nerd moment, like Friedrich Nietzsche, you guys know, like his, his philosophy, like nihilism, life is meaningless. So mm-hmm. take the power, grab it. It's us or them. It's not, it is like sort of, it's a secular kind of Darwinistic view of the world. And, uh, I had this professor in seminary. He goes, actually today in America and in the church, that's actually the dominant philosophy. Even in the church, mm-hmm. it's not the philosophy of Jesus. It's the philosophy of mm. Friedrich Nietzsche. And he's like, and that is always shaping us. It's shaping our public discourse. It's why we're always so afraid and trying to take the power and us, our kids, our generation, you know, what's going to happen. All that fear doesn't come from like the way of Jesus. And I just think, you know, as we feel like exiles in the world, yet Jesus never promises that we will like win a culture war. I think we're supposed to be engaged in the world we're in. Mm -hmm. But I think what he promises is that he will see us through whatever cultural circumstance we find ourselves mm-hmm. in. That like the Holy Spirit, right? And there should, would normally be fear and anger and destruction. He can bring like life and love and hope and peace in those places. And that someday he will carry us safely all the way home. And someday he will usher in the kingdom all the way. But until then, we have to sort of like live, I think, with this posture of like, uh, humility and grace towards the world that's around us while still holding on to truth and believing that God has us here for a good reason and that there's a good things that he wants to do in our world, even if we feel like aliens and strangers mm-hmm. and exiles and weirdos, yeah. you know, in yeah. the middle of it. Yeah. I love this conversation. I'm, I want to get back to something you just said in like 60 seconds, but yeah, this formation piece, it sounds cliche, like read your Bible, that sort of thing. But I always think of um, I always think of Romans twelve. So Paul, we always think Romans is like this big theological magnum opus book, and it, it is right. Like it, it can be, but I think ultimately what he's doing is he's writing to a, a church, a community of people who are really different from each other, and they're learning about what it means to kind of live in exile in in this empire in this city that has this really strong cultural pull and so when he makes a transition in chapter 12 to talk about really practical things the first thing he says is be renewed by the transforming of your minds like paul more than anyone else knew that like culture is powerful like you can so easily get swept into the stories and the narratives of things happening around us so we need to be daily soaking in the story of scripture, soaking in the words of Jesus, all that kind of stuff to, um, otherwise we, we can easily get, get caught up in that. Um, but Adam, I love what you're saying. Like ultimately the rubber meets the road here. Like probably all Christians all throughout America more or less believe the things that we're talking about. Like we're very different than the world around us. Like that, that probably hits different in the South than it does here in Madison or, or that kind of thing. But the difference is like, what are we going to do with that? Are we going to mm. fight culture? Are we going to be against it? Are we going to fear 
Or are we going to continue to have this posture of radical love and compassion and serving our community and, and that kind of thing? And at least at Blackhawk, that's always been a posture mm-hmm. that's meant a lot to us. We're not at odds with our city. We love our city. We want to find the things that are good about it and come alongside organizations that are doing great work. We want to, um, yeah, we want to love people well, serve people well. We're not trying to enter into a culture war with with things that. Um, with things that are going on. And so that's that's a different posture than than some people grew up with or that other churches have. And there's nothing maybe right or wrong about that, but um, that's kind of where we've landed mm-hmm. in the way that yeah. we try to do things, which um, which I which I really love. I think mm-hmm. there's there's something to that of trying to hold on to that radical love and compassion in the midst of um, a world that is really easy to to kind of get swept away in or to to fear things that are happening mm-hmm. around us or that kind of thing. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, any um, other thoughts to well, add on to that? Well, you guys? I think that's good. When I think about formation, I mean, I'll just say you know there are blatant things where we feel friction with the world around us, right? Those ones are easy. But for the things that we maybe should feel friction with them, we don't. Mm. Like, I think sometimes it is just becoming a little bit more emotionally aware. Like, okay, when do I feel, you know, that fight, flight, freeze reflex? What sorts of things make me feel most mad? Do I feel, like, compulsively angry about (laughs) or or fearful or anxious about? And I think that's something to say, like, to enter into and, like, be like, okay, God, what is off here in my heart? Like... I don't think those are, that's the fruit of the spirit. I don't know if that's the way God would want me to live. So I think there's just a little bit of like taking note of that. I mean, boy, there's some good like examine prayer. There's some good things like I think formative Christian disciplines and practices that help us become aware of that stuff. So we can kind of, when we feel those things hit reset on our soul, you know, and kind of get our head on straight. Mm-hmm. So we can be like, okay, I don't want to live and react out of those things. I want to walk from a place of like, peace and confidence and power in the spirit to be able mm. to step into hard situations and to love, to hold both grace and truth and not to want to blow up the culture around me, but to bring like, try to bring some beauty and flourishing um, that I think only maybe the gospel can bring to those spaces. So, yeah, thanks you guys. A lot to, to think about. Uh, we are just scratching the surface of all of us. There's again, as usual, entire books and talks about all of this kind of, um, kind of stuff. So, uh, a lot more that could be said, a lot more that we wanted to, to talk about, but for the sake of time, um, I think we'll, we'll wrap things up there. We, um, in the, the weeks ahead, we're going to be shifting gears, uh, a little bit, um, beginning in March, we're going to do uh, a little mini series just about walking with God and what it could look like, um, to be formed by him, common kind of obstacles that come up when we're trying to, to pursue Jesus, kind of some stage of life things. Uh, following Jesus can be different when you're in your 20s compared to your 50s or 60s or 70s. So um, we're going to try to dig into some of that kind of stuff. Um, so a little bit different as we, we get off from the sermon series a little bit, but we hope that you guys will enjoy that as well. Uh, Tiffany, Adam, thanks so much for, for joining in on this conversation. Hope you guys have a great week. And everyone listening, you guys have a great week as well. We'll see you on an upcoming Sunday or online as you worship with us. Um, yeah, have, have a good one and we'll, we'll, we'll see you next time.